Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone. Anyone else a little, uh, little disappointed with the way sports went last night? I was ready to be entertained, but man, the Astros dominated the race 6-1. They got a big early lead. They win that series. They're going to play the Yankees next in the ALCS. Patriots stay undefeated. Credit to the Giants for hanging in there for about half the game, but sure enough, 35-14. That Patriot defense is awesome. Kyle Van Oy, the former Cougar, with a fumble return for a touchdown. Patriots have given up like eight points a game on defense this year. They're awesome. So they're 6-0. And then the high school football game, Corner Canyon. 42 to nothing in the second quarter, 56 unanswered points. They win 56-22 over the second-ranked team in the state. Lap in the field, they're dominating everybody. All right, not a lot of close games there. Maybe we'll get one this weekend. I'm anticipating a close game with BYU at South Florida. A couple of inexperienced quarterbacks, a couple of teams with two and three records. How is this going to go? Well, to get a little lowdown on BYU and where they are now, here is BYU wide receiver Oleva Hifo, who's starting to make really making some plays up in his game this year. Every year with him, there's a little more improvement. They're getting a little more out of him, and I think he's done some good things this year. Uh, but can they do enough to win? Oleva Hifo with the media. How do you view having a bye week after uh, after a loss? Uh, it's def- it definitely was tough. Um, it definitely would have been nice if we had a win going to that bye week. It would have felt a lot nicer, but a bye week in general was good. Uh, good time for us to recover, and for that loss, good time to rethink about things. So it was good for us overall. What are your thoughts on Micah Simon? He's been good for us, very good, very productive. He's been the leader in our receiver group, not only receiver group, but for the offense and the whole team. And he's kind of gained that role with both his production on the field and off the field and being that vocal leader for us throughout the whole offseason. So Mike has been really good for us. I Did you like the answer? answer. I love that answer. <laughs> oh, I see you. Yeah. Power and dance moves. You guys see we match We match our practice? We got to do it. We got to somehow bring the Royals back. <laughs> You said his dance moves? Is that what you said? What do, what do you make of his dance moves in the locker room? Mike is a good dancer. He, he's, he's surprising he is a good dancer. He, got, he, got, he has some rhythm to him. There's some people in our locker room who have no rhythm at all, so it makes Micah look a lot better. So, Another another byproduct of having to buy a week, especially on the offensive side, you guys were able to have an extra you know, week to work with yeah. Jaron. How is that going? It was good. It, it felt like... Um, not in a bad way, but Zach going down and Jaron having to step in to give him a week with us, give him a week with the offense to, to feel comfortable and for him to basically have two weeks under his belt without full offense and being able to go to Florida with us. If I'm, I'm confident in him, so I'm happy for him too. How valuable was it to have that time back in spring to maybe start to develop that chemistry with Jaron? Oh, yeah, so these last two weeks is not the only time we've been able to develop chemistry with uh, Jaron. Uh, he he's been there in, in spring ball. He's been there with PRPs all summer, and he's been taking a lot of reps. And it's, it's not it's nothing new to receivers, nothing new to this offense as well. We know what he can do. We know that he's going to be able to make a lot of plays, both with his arm and on his feet. Especially in a position like quarterback, the backup, you, you hear a lot about the backups preparing as if they're a starter and everything. But has Jaron changed over the last couple of weeks, knowing that, like, okay, this is my time, this is my time to shine? Have you noticed anything different about him, like, leadership-wise, kind of taking more command? Or no, not so much of a difference. Um, Jaron, he's always been a leader. He's always he's always been preparing as if he isn't the number one quarterback. And I think that's why he's going to be most prepared for this game coming up. And it's not going to be much of a surprise for him going in. Um, and you guys can kind of see when he was thrown into Toledo, one of the toughest situations you, get, you can get 
thrown in. One minute left, and he has a score touchdown. And um, and he, he handled it very well. Uh, he felt like he, he made good decisions. I felt like he was quick with his, quick with his decisions. That's the biggest thing. And um, overall, I feel like he carried over, and he's gonna, he's definitely ready to be to be a starter in this next quarterback. How much confidence did that final drive give maybe Jared or just the entire offense knowing that, hey, this guy can come in and do a nice job? It, it's good. It, it gives him a lot of confidence and the people around him confidence. I remember where he, where he snapped before he snapped that first ball on that last drive. Jaron had a straight face the whole time. He wasn't scared. He wasn't shying away from it. And he knew that it was his time to make plays and his opportunity. And I, I, despite the despite the loss, I felt like he made the best of that opportunity. You guys have said that you, you're not scoring as much as you would like to. What do you think is keeping you from scoring like you would would hope to be able to right now? Uh, we definitely need to finish our finish our drives. Um, I felt like uh, in the last couple of games, from the last five weeks, we've been able to drive past and get get to the other 40, opposing 30, but we haven't been able to finish as, as we'd like. So the biggest thing for us is to make sure that we leave each drive with points, whether that's a field goal, but in our favor, we want a touchdown. What do you feel like you guys can do to you know have a higher percentage of conversions on third downs? Because it seemed to be something that the offense kind of struggled a little bit against. A lot, of, a lot of the stuff is we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We have a lot of pre-snap penalties, and with a lot of pre-snap penalties, it creates a lot of worry within ourselves, and then we start to, to miss assignments and stuff like that. But the bottom line is we just need to play. When we play and we execute our positions and, and know that we can we can beat the guys in front of us, then that's when we're, we're best and most efficient. How would you feel about your play? I mean, two weeks ago, that was a big game for you. Would you say that was your best game of, of your BYU career? Uh, yeah, if I think about think back production-wise, it probably was. Um, but despite all that, it, it doesn't really matter if we don't win the game. So um, my my part is to try to do as much as I can for this offense. But um, if I could have done a little bit more and to secure that win, then that that's what that's what matters most to me. But it didn't happen, and I don't really care how productive I was in that game. We have we came out the nail for that game, so it hurt. But you know. A lot's been made of when BYU travels back east and the time change and maybe a morning game that they're not quite as good. Do you think that's overrated, overstated, or, or is that really a... Yeah, from an outside perspective, a lot of people think that that has kind of effect on us. Um, this is the first time this, that since I've been here where we've been having these morning games like this. We're, we're playing at 12 o'clock when really it's 11 back here in Utah, but otherwise that, I like it. I like it a lot more. I, li- I don't like waiting all day to play games. I like waking up knowing that I have a football game. I don't like sitting in my hotel room all day, and I think the players like it as well, and I don't think it has any effect on us at all. So the Toledo game, you think you guys were ready to go, and you, you came out pretty, pretty strong. Oh, yeah. So we, we definitely were ready to go. Um, it wasn't too early for us, but like I said, bottom line is we can't make mistakes. We can't make mistakes against good teams. We can't make mistakes against any teams, and especially with turnovers, you're not going to win games like that. So, what role has Zach had around the team for the, for the past week? Just you know, obviously with an injury, you could maybe just go away. But has he yeah. still been around? Yeah, he's he's still he's still around. He's he's in meetings. He's here at practice. He's making sure that he's also helping out as well. Whatever he sees from the sideline, uh, I'm, I'm sure he gets a little better perspective of the offense from when he's watching the side. But otherwise, that his main focus right now is to get back and make sure that he can uh, he can come back healthy 100 percent in a couple of weeks. So otherwise, that his presence, he's, it's always nice having him around because he helps out. What have you seen from this USF defense? Uh, seems like athleticism maybe pops off of them. Yeah, very very athletic defense. They have corners and DBs who are. Who are, who are listed at six one guys who are lengthy and guys that can run with you, and on the inside they have just very athletic guys overall, and that's that's what kind of the South Florida has been known for in the past couple couple years, and that's it's a big challenge for us and something that we have to try to match when we go against them. After having a week and a half, two weeks to work, 
What do you expect to see from your offense when you take the field on Saturday? I expect this to be a lot more clean. Um, we, we definitely know that when we go back and watch film, um, it exposes everyone. We're able to see everything that happens technique-wise, assignment-wise, and, and things that we could have done differently. So these past two weeks going to South Florida, I feel like a lot of the things that we should have cleaned up in the last game will be cleaned up this game. I feel like the offense has a chip on its shoulder just because you feel like you've been close, like you were touching, you know, what, you're, what you were talking about as far as getting close but not capitalizing. Oh yeah, I feel like the offense has had always had a chip on its shoulder. Um, in the past couple of years, people have said that the defense has always been the more reductive side, and the offense has always wanted to kind of flip that and making sure that we can help out our defense and stay on the field. So going to this next game, it's, it's nothing different. We need to execute. That's that's the play. Bottom line is that we need to execute and making sure that we're extending drives and not just having three and outs so that we can keep our defense on the bench and making sure that we control the game. Here's BYU's Aleva Hifo. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more in a moment. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Dustin Smith, QB Elite. He's trained Jaron Hall for years, and we're all curious what Jaron's going to do when he makes his college debut. BYU at South Florida Saturday. Dustin, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Now, I hate to shoot down the whole premise of the interview, but Dustin, be honest with us. Deep down, are you just like us? Do you wonder what Jaron's going to do when he makes his college debut at South Florida? Do you really know? Oh, absolutely. I think I think anytime uh, uh a quarterback gets his first start in Division One football. I don't care how successful he was in high school or how big and strong and athletic he looks at practice or you know, at camps or whatever. It's it's a different deal. So uh, yes, I'm. I I think we'll see good play from Jaron. I know he's a good player and an extremely uh, gifted athlete and quarterback, but. You know, he's going to have to make some adjustments to a lot of things, and he doesn't have a whole lot of time to do it because they're, uh, they got to get a win. What are his strengths, Dustin? Uh, excuse me, what did you say? What are his strengths? What are his strengths? Uh, Jaron's, you know, it's been talked about a lot the last week or so. There's, there's obvious strengths if you've, if you've listened to coaches or watched Jaron at scrimmage or, you know, even in the game last week, his high school film that he's he's very athletic he can uh, obviously plays two sports down there at BYU he played three sports in high school was good at all three um, he's he's got a real acceleration and 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 burst to him so he's uh, he's difficult to to bring down in the backfield and he's able to do a lot with his with his feet but i i, I wouldn't say that his greatest strength is his athleticism jaron's greatest strength in my opinion is he's just He's very smooth and calm and in control, and he doesn't get rattled very easily. And, you know, if you've interviewed him or, or been around him very much or talked to people who have been, you know, they, they see that in him. He's, he's just very calm and collective, and, and as a quarterback, that's important. Um, but he's also extremely confident in his ability, and I don't think that the moment or the uh, – 
um, you know, the pressure of being a quarterback at BYU is something that's affecting him negatively at all. PK's always positive and upbeat. He asks about the strengths. I'm the negative guy. I'll ask about the weaknesses. What worries you the most? Where would South Florida attack him and maybe have some success? Well, what worries me the most with Jaron is the same as what worried me with Zach and, and Tanner and, and other quarterbacks at BYU is um, BYU's issues has more to do with with how they run the football than how their quarterbacks throw the football. It's it's glaringly obvious if you look at the games that BYU wins versus the games that BYU loses that when they run the ball well, they win. Um, in fact, I, I looked over this just just this morning a little bit to double check it. BYU's the last, you know, they're nine and nine if you go their last two years, last year and in, in their game so far this year. Over when they rush for over a hundred yards, they're nine and two. When they rush for under a hundred yards, they're zero and seven. Um, it's and there's a tremendous difference in their in, in their rushing yards and their wins versus their losses. They average almost two hundred yards in those nine wins when they when they win, and they're like eighty yards in those seven losses running the ball. Um, and so that you know that's that's going to be critical to them because if they can run the ball and and keep their quarterbacks out of third and long, I think Jaron will do well. If Jaron is getting caught in a lot of third and sevens and third and nines and he's having to sit back there and and beat what, what I'm understanding is a, you know, a pretty athletic uh, team, and if BYU can't run the ball on these guys, then they've got you know all sorts of other trouble, in my opinion. They've got to be able to go down there and, and, and run over these guys and be in some third and shorts. And then hopefully with Jaron's athleticism, he can pick up the slack a little bit on that, but their running back game, you know, they can't have like last year against Boise State or against Utah State when their running back production is 50 or 60 yards for the entire game, and then you get another 40 or 50 from your quarterback. You know, Zach had as many rushing yards in those two games as I think the running backs did combined almost. So, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on Jaron if that's the case. So that that makes me nervous if they don't run the ball, that he's then feeling pressed to have to make big plays and he takes too many chances and turns the ball over. Because that's the other thing. This year, in their their three losses, they have seven turnovers. And in both of their wins, they didn't have any. You know, so it's it's not turning the ball over and it's their ability to run the ball and not put Jaron whoever the quarterback is, but especially a first-time starting freshman quarterback in regular third and long situations. If that's the case, then I get nervous that he might press and try to make too many big plays and, and in return uh, turn the ball over. Well, really hard to argue with anything you just said there. I love to argue, but I can't come up with anything. I mean, it's very much a black-and-white issue. You've got so much evidence on your side that that's just literally the way it is, and we'll see how it plays out. And obviously losing Tyson Williams was a major blow to that. I want to throw something at you, a theory that, that I've kind of concocted in my head. I don't know if it's true or not, but the fact was that you look at a, a guy like Jake Heaps and Tanner Mangum, and they were these all these, these number one quarterbacks coming out of high school, and then they get out on the field, and at some point, things go a little south on them and the pressure becomes amplified because these guys were the number one quarterbacks out of high school and they're supposed to go to the pros and you know heaps his whole family was all in on it and it was only a matter of time BYU was a stepping stone and Tanner shared elite 
co-MVP with Jameis Winston, who won the Heisman and went on to be the number one pick. So they have all this external, almost intangible pressure. And I, maybe I'm missing something with Jaron Hall, but and I don't follow high school football that much, but I didn't hear him being an Elite 11 and all this and all that. So I'm wondering if that might play into his being able to just go out there and play the game of football because I don't know how much expectation we have on him, whereas if you're saddled, and Tuttle had it at the U, too, if you're sa- and I use the word saddled almost like it's a burden with this hype, it can work against you, and if you're not as saddled with this hype, you maybe might be able to come out and be a little more free and loose. Do you buy any of that? I think that's an excellent point, and I think it's there's absolutely truth to that. I these kids coming out of high school that have been highly uh, decorated with awards and attention, especially nowadays with all the attention that they get, you know, outside of their circle of people due to, you know, social media and things. I, when they come in to these schools, um, there's a lot of people that they can say they don't, but in the back of their mind, they feel like they they can't let down, and and it, it's just human nature to start wondering what those people are thinking about you and are you are you fulfilling all those expectations that people had of you and are you going to be a um because that starts right it starts early when they're being told hey you need to be you know you need to be on the top uh the top 100 watch list and you need to be in the elite 11 and you need to be going to these these schools and you're too good for that that school or that school and so then you get to college and I think that they have an enormous amount of pressure placed on them to now prove that all of that hype surrounding them in high school was legit and not to let people down. And in a lot of cases, I think they start playing more for that than they do for their, their college team and the college experience. And, and in some of the cases that you just mentioned and, and many others out there, their college experience ends up being a negative one. And, and the people around them who are there just to play football, who want to just compete, uh, they don't oftentimes buy into your your game plan of using it as a stepping stone to get to the next level, you know, to the NFL. In the case of Jaron, Jaron was very quick in the process to say he's going to BYU. He he, you're right. He didn't get the kind of attention that some of these kids get, but it was starting to come in. Uh, Coach Roderick was the first to offer him up at Utah, and, U- and University of Utah hasn't for many years they don't offer or haven't offered quarterbacks out of the state of utah very often um just doesn't happen for whatever reason i wish they would uh, do more but it just hasn't and 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 coach roderick really liked jaron and that was his big his first big offer and byu came immediately after that and there were other schools interested but jaron was very clear when the byu offer came in that he's he's going on a mission and he's coming back and he wants to play at byu and he shut down the recruiting really he didn't Obviously, the mission comment turned off some schools, and, and but he was very clear that he wanted to go to BYU. And at that point, he was just going to focus on his senior year of football, basketball, and baseball and go on a mission and then come back and, and let it fly and see what happened. And when he came back, there was a, a new offensive coordinator there and a new system. Zach had been there a little, already been you know through spring, and, and Jaron had to come back and compete against that. But his attitude was more of, I'm going to get my chance, and when I get it, I'm going to be ready. And he's just got a real just kind of quiet confidence about him. That's It's really cool. If you interview him or have a chance to really talk with him, you'll see it. He's just a uh, 
a humble, confident kid and who was extremely competitive and just never bought into feeling like he had to do it for anybody other than him and his family. And he, he, he wasn't interested. He's not a big social media guy. He's not a look at me guy. His family's not as people he surrounds himself with aren't, and that's just not who he is. And so that's why we didn't hear a lot about him, but, but man, he can, he can play. He's a, he's a very good quarterback. You don't do what you, what he did that quickly after coming back off a mission um, and, and move up the ranks as quickly as he did down there and get the praise that he's, he's, received from coach Grimes and coach Roderick and others that saw that he could play unless you have some abilities. And so I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing him do his thing and, and he'll be, there'll be some growing pains. I hope UAE fans will be patient uh, if there are those. Um, but he's a definitely a uh, division one quarterback who can do a lot of good things. So you hit on several things in that very thorough answer I want to follow up on, but one so PK lays it out for you. We've talked about a lot. There's a lot of numbers. PK's dug them up. You've seen it as you coach high school quarterbacks. And, and maybe Jaron's a different deal because his dad played, so maybe he's getting advice that most guys aren't getting uh, because their parents are really new to the process and get the big eyes and all that, whereas, you know, dad's been through the ups and downs and kind of pass that along but can you pass along when you explain it to people when the when the quarterbacks are you know teenagers and on the way up can you explain it and drill it into their heads or is the hype so big that everything you say just bounces off of of them and doesn't stick i try to say it it's much harder uh, if it's not coming from people that are you know closer specifically family um and, and uh, you know, close, close friends and kids. And it's kind of a situational deal. Some kids, um, it doesn't matter what anybody says. They just, they love it. In fact, I think there, in some cases, unfortunately, that's the end game. It's, it's the attention. Um, that's the reason for all the uh, more. So the reason for all the work and the lifting weights and the, the pursuing the, the success on the field is to get that attention. It's not, to go and compete on the college field. That's the most disappointing thing for me is then once they make it, they kind of feel like they've arrived and, you know, they're able to say they got a scholarship and mom and dad are able to tell everybody that, that you know, their son got a scholarship to wherever and, and then you don't hear from the kid anymore because he just didn't have that self-motivation and it was all about attention and, and compliments and pats on the back. And so you try to warn kids of that, that that's coming, especially at that position. If you're going to play that position, um, you've got a, you're going to have some extreme highs and probably be over complimented and you're going to have some extreme lows where you're going to be criticized probably harder than you should. It's, you know, I, I heard part of your last segment, it's pitchers have the same thing, right? Clayton Kershaw's going through the same thing right now where he's, he's taking all of the blame. Um, by the way, is there anything worse than having a coach have to walk out to a pitcher's mound and yeah. take the ball from, <laughs> from a pitcher and, and, and kick you out of the game and sports. Seems like it's it lasts worst, about two that's hours. the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's, just, it's horrible, right? Yeah. It's, uh, you imagine if that happened in a football game, the head coach stopped the game and walked out and took <laughs> to the, the football from the quarterback and, and, and let, made him walk back to the sideline and handed it to the next quarterback. You miss a free that's throw. And, you miss a free throw and Quinn Snyder has to stroll out there, take the ball and send you to the locker yeah. room. Yeah, and give it, give it, give it to the backup point guard, and then you got to go sit by yourself and just sit on the bench. It's the worst, but you know, yeah, you're David. It's uh, 
you try to warn these kids of, of the, you know, that are getting caught up in that, that that usually is going to set them up for a bigger fall. And, and, but some kids listen, some kids have the restraint to not get too caught up and looking at their press clippings and their, their Twitter likes and retweets and things, but it's, it's becoming harder and harder. I'll tell you that it's more and more kids are, uh, you know, that, that fall in love with that attention. It's becoming harder and harder to tell the kids that, if you do get that shot to play at the next level, no one's going to care about those things. And it's, it's, it's really what you do your next game out. And so you got to put that aside and, and focus on making the right decision and throwing the ball on time and being accurate. So that, that it just comes down to that. As uh, I know you work with Ty, has Demmer had any influence or inter- any interaction with Hall? Yeah, he has actually quite a bit. In fact, uh, Ty was, uh, Jaron was going to be the guy. I know Ty was really looking forward to coaching. Um, Jaron got offered not too long out or too long before Ty, um, you know, got that job. And uh, but he had worked with him through our program since Jaron. Jaron started. I started working with him in about eighth, ninth grade, and and uh, and then Ty saw a lot of him. And Ty knew Kalen. And in fact, Ty's actually been in touch with Jaron a little bit just in the last couple of weeks in preparation for this game and Ty really liked Jaron he, he still does and is is optimistic that, that Jaron will do well and I think Ty's had an influence on Jaron on some of those things we just talked about because Ty's that way he's not about the attention and the hype and he's just about playing ball and um, he I know that he has had some conversations with Jaron as well about hey just stay low and, and grind and do your thing and and uh, you know let it play out and I think that's been a, a helpful support for for Jaron uh last thing I want to touch on what you said about Utah not recruiting local quarterbacks it seems like it started changing with some of the other schools in the last few years but there was a long stretch Utah didn't seem to high school quarterbacks didn't seem to catch on much of anywhere and it has been changing but it still seems like they're a little underrepresented do you have a good explanation about that aside from okay the U could take more guys yeah, I, I I don't know why Utah hasn't. Uh, they, there's, you know, I think that there's been some kids the last several years that uh, uh, could have helped them had they done so. Um, I I I think it's it, and I'm I'm just speaking out loud here. I think that the uh, thinking out loud here that the it may be that they just feel like they've got a, a greater pool to choose from, and so they have to pick from that greater pool. They've they've they got to get the kid from Florida because they can, you know, or the kid from California because they can. And and it's just, as far as you know, quarterbacks in general here in Utah, uh, it is changing. More of them are starting to be recognized. But I, I think for a lot of years it's just been you just didn't think of when you thought football players in Utah, you just don't you just didn't think quarterbacks. You thought you know it's always been defensive linemen and and offensive linemen and but you don't think QBs and receivers and some of those skill position groups and um i think that it's starting to change now we do have some 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 good quarterbacks coming up and some kids that i would put on uh competing against any you know kids from around the country the, the local kids here in utah when they do get a chance to go up against these kids from out of state, they do very well. And, and uh, so it, it is a shame that we have so many of them that get overlooked. I'm happy to see it starting to change, but I would still like to see, you know, Utah get some more of those. And I'm glad that BYU has, you know, Zach and Jaron, 
Um, but, you know, there were some years there, too, where I think BYU was missing out on a lot of local guys. They still do, I think. Um, so I'd like to see that change. And I think as more of these guys go out and do well um, and, and perform, I think that more of them will stay here locally. And uh, in BYU's case and Utah's case, the more successful they are as well, it's, it's, it's not the same as it used to be 20 years ago where, you know, BYU could claim that you got to come to BYU, play QB here because you got to have that you know, LDS experience, there's, there's LDS experiences at schools all over the West and all over the country. And so a lot of those local kids who may be LDS or it's, it's not as big a deal to go to BYU anymore. And, and then I think Utah's having some success finding kids from all over the country. They have a shot at anybody being in the PAC 12. And so I think they take, they're taking those chances and thinking they can lean back on the Utah kid later. And, um, which they probably can, but a lot of these Utah kids, I think nowadays are saying, I'll just, I'll go somewhere else or, or they're unfortunately not playing. And there's a lot of them that could be. Dustin, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Thanks guys. Take care. There is Dustin Smith. We have to have him on again. QB elite thinks about a lot of stuff and uh, he's got a lot of opinions. That was a good interview. Enjoy having him on. When we come back, Craig Bullerjack talking jazz, big picture. Dante Exum, a smaller but more skilled team. Where are we going with this issue? What's this going to look like? We'll get to that with Bowler next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. It's time to bring in Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Now, we had him on yesterday in the 9... AM hour. And he had some good stuff to say about this season, but as Bowler always, he's, you know, last night, tomorrow, last night, tomorrow. And that's going to mess you up when you're listening to this because you're like, Bowler, the game wasn't last night. So take it with a grain of salt. It was 9 a.m. hour yesterday, but he does have some interesting things to say. Tony Bradley, Dante Exum, some of the other guys. Here's Bowler with PK and I. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ, PK, how are you? Bowler, we're doing well, but we want to ask a favor of you right off the start. Yes, favors. Go ahead. Don't discuss any exhibition games. Don't <laughs> sell us on anything good or bad in an exhibition game because everybody knows their exhibition games and they don't count. We need to stay big picture. We are drooling over the 23rd. We are now inside of two weeks to the season opener. Can you do this for us, Bowler? I'll do my very best. Okay. I'll do my very best. And, you know, of course, uh, social media needs just a. Uh, to relax and I totally uh, I get it yes yes let's okay. take an all let's all just take a deep breath the d- that? screw that man Rick Donovich <laughs> make a shot Mike Cantley make a shot holy freak stop it freaking frack right there baby what better time to miss shots than when they don't count <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point that's a good point and also it'd be nice to have a Gobert uh, right in the post when uh, I think we they, will. they decide to play uh, Giannis last night and Joe Ingles uh, who's set in rest, rest as well so uh, yeah yeah there's 
uh, I, I figured when I saw the combo uh, last night and saw that basically Milwaukee was going with their uh, their their five, uh, and you know Rudy's resting, I figured this could be an interesting, difficult evening. So yeah, who yes. cares? Okay, yeah, Bowler, Bowler, yeah. we wanted big picture. That's two last nights. We're letting it go. Let okay, it go. Let's let it go. Take I don't care yeah. if the Jazz score 133 or give up 133. I'm not riding the preseason roller coaster. I know good, I'll ride good. the regular season roller coaster. PK will criticize me for it. He will castigate it. He will try to train me to be patient and wait for the postseason, and I will fail because I'm me and that's how I'm wired. But I am right. going to be good in the preseason and not ride the roller coaster. So well, here's my question yeah. for you because okay. you have followed yeah. the Jazz. Uh, as a TV broadcaster, as a local broadcaster, uh, many people don't know this, but you were actually a jazz analyst for a couple of years back in the 80s when uh, your station had the rights. So there's right. this long thing, and these cycles repeat itself, even as the game changes. Three-point shot's bigger, shooting's more important. But if you look at the uh, Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Memo, Kerr, Andre, Kirilenko team, it was undersized, but it was highly skilled. Because it was skilled, they had several 50-win seasons. They won four playoff series over four years. They went to a conference final one year. They went out in the first round one year. Had a couple second-rounders. Now, the Jazz built a long athletic team these last three years, not as skilled, not as good shooting, and found that they could get to about 50 wins at about the second round. Now they've gone smaller and more skilled. Is this going to be that different, or are we going to find in the long run that for all the skill and all the shooting, the lack of size, the small backcourt, they're not as big and athletic. They're going to miss Jay Crowder's size and athleticism and toughness, right? And they're going to end up in a similar spot. Do you think we're back to 2009-ish, roughly? Oh, man, that's a lot to digest, but it's, it's a good breakdown of, uh, of, of the jazz and the jazz history and, and constantly trying to stay true to the times, right? I think the, the times of the league kind of dictate at times uh, what the Jazz are doing, and now it's about the three, and it's play at the rim. And so they bring in shooters, and they do give up sizes. That's a great point. Ed Davis is slight of build but still has the height and a tremendous rebounder, but doesn't have maybe just the physical toughness uh, of the Jay Crowders, uh, of the of the Derek Favors. So you bring up a great point. Uh, Rudy they depend a lot on. Uh, as, as we know, and we saw that again, sorry, but last night. But, you know, he's the dunk guy. He, he's, he's the rim player, and the Jazz didn't have much rim play uh, at all last night. Uh, so that comes into play. But to get your, back to your question, I think the Jazz are trying to keep up with what the rest of the West is trying to do. Now, Milwaukee, let me just real quickly look at what I saw last night. That team is large, uh, big, uh, and the, the beauty of their team is that the seven-footers all can knock it out from downtown. And that's, that's going to be difficult for any team in the, in the East and in the West to handle. That was pretty impressive with the Lopez brothers and what Giannis is all about. But getting back to the Jazz, I think what, the, what Justin Zanuck and Dennis did this year was make some bold moves to get a better point guard. Uh, nothing against Ricky, tremendous individual, but another level uh, that will allow Donovan to grow and become this uh, athletic team in the West that has to knock down threes and still play rim play with Gobert. So um, I saw some things last night I did like. Jeff Green continues to to show us an, an interesting skill set to mid-range game. 
uh, some slash ability, and, and Davis does rebound the ball extremely well for second chance, uh, you know, points. So, you know, again, DJ, I'm with you. It's it's you got to put the full complement on the floor to really get a good feel for what the Jazz are going to be. How much do you think Bogdanovich will a put the ball on the floor and b be allowed to put the ball on the floor and go to the basket? You know, I, I watching him PK in practice, he has surprised me athletically. Uh, what you just said, what he can do, and he, you know, I thought he was just going to park himself in a corner and just hit threes. No, this guy is athletic. Uh, he is more slash. He has slash ability. Uh, he can, uh, you know, finish at the rim. Uh, you know, he's six eight, two twenty, and I, I'm I'm more impressed with his athleticism. I thought he rushed the shot last night. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on putting these guys on the floor for the first time together, and it showed. But uh, I think PK, he's more. Uh, he has more athleticism than than I think any of us thought because again the focus was on the three point shooting. That's a good thing. I think he's more versatile than than I thought than I thought he was. I expect Royce O'Neal to take a huge step forward. I don't know that he'll close games because we focused on the five and I think we know who the five are. But if any one of them is hurt or if any one of them is in foul trouble He'll be the guy, I think, and I think he's going to play huge minutes, even if his, everybody isn't healthy and out of foul trouble. Do you think he's 25 to 30 minutes a night and playing a really big role for this team? That's, that's I know, his, his goal. I think the Jazz expect him to play those minutes, too, uh, DJ. Here's the thing about Royce and what the Jazz also have, have tried to do is they continue to morph in some ways. The, the only five... The only number they'll use for any player is Gobert and mostly Ed Davis and Tony Bradley, all fives with a slash four on Ed Davis. But the rest of these guys are all interchangeable parts, and that's where the league has morphed into as well. You know, you're just a basketball player, and that's what Royce is. You know, he's 6'6", but he can play multiple positions, and I think that's going to help him with those minutes. He averaged 20, nearly 21 last year on the floor. I think, again, they're looking for his point production to increase. And also, he's a defender that can kind of – he can get a little uh, edgy, and that's what they need, too, on the defensive side. If you get minutes for Quinn Snyder, it's still about defense. And that's where Royce O'Neal really kind of made his name, uh, getting a shot from Dennis, you know, coming out of Baylor. And all of a sudden, you see kind of a a young player who understands his role but wants more and really has a – a very good defensive ability and also his offensive game is starting to come around too because he can knock it down from outside but yet he's also a guy quick off the dribble and i think that's what the jazz want they want that that ability from outside and also getting into the rim you know analytics as we all know and i still think the the mid-range jumper has a has has something to do with this league or should have something to do with this league but the analytics tell you that's that's where it's going it's at the rim that's why gobert is so uh, so important, not only defensively, but his offensive game, his rolling, the pick and roll, uh, but also the three-point shot. And analytically tell you that's that's how you win games. On opening night, in less than two weeks, are we going to see Dante Exum playing in the game? PK, I, I keep wondering the same thing. Uh, I've seen him on the floor and uh, then off the floor. Uh, saw him yesterday at practice here and just did not participate. Uh, undergoing still treatment on the right knee rehab. Don't know, PK. It's it's very uh, you know as a player continues to 
to work his way back on the floor. The Jazz don't really have to to make any comments about him. Maybe a weekly or bi monthly you know medical update. Uh, but what I've seen so far, I don't think we'll see him opening night. Um, it's a process, one that they tend to probably. You know, I thought about this the other day. With the investment of players, I think you're going to see now even more uh, wait-and-see approaches with medical staffs, especially after the, the Durant injury last year in the, in the finals. But even with Dante, who has shown the uh, propensity for, uh, for injury, PK, I, I think there's just there's, it's a hold-your-breath, wait-and-see, and make sure that everything – is okay. Sooner or later, you have to let him out of the cage, right, and just go play. Uh, some players have the ability to shake injury off quicker, heal quicker. Some players don't. Some are more, you know, injury prone. Is this just a series of bad luck? I love to see him play. I would love to see 75 games out of Dante Exum this year, just to really get a feel. And the Jazz need to know, fans need to know uh, what he is, what he brings. We've seen, you know, minutes flashes. Of, uh, of defensive, you know, ability and, and a quick first step to the rim, but uh, it's hard to say. I still don't know truly what kind of player he is, PK. But I've seen flashes as you have, but I, I would not hold my breath for opening night. But maybe I'll prove me wrong. You know, that's that's what I'm waiting to see. You know, you can only make the most of the opportunities you're given. You can't do anything with the opportunities you haven't been given yet. Right. Tony Bradley was given opportunities in summer league, and it is just summer league but I thought he made the most of everything he was given. They're just preseason games, but Tony Bradley seems to be making the most of what he's given. When we get to the regular season and Gobert is playing, what kind of opportunities are going to be to show him to, for him to show what he can do? And is he maybe the next guy going down that Royce O'Neal path? The Jazz invest in him, develop him, the G League pays off, all the assistant coaches they have doing the development work on one payoff, and he is actually a pretty nice player. What are the odds that's where this story's going? I think it's a good story and one that the path is leading towards a roster spot on this team. I think with uh, again, Jay Crowder and D. Faves not on the roster opened up the opportunity, DJ, for, for Tony Bradley. You're right. Look, I understand Summer League is just Summer League, and, and, and fans get a kick out of watching young players try to make the roster or a roster. And Jerry Sloan always said, look, you know, there's 29 other teams with their eyeballs on you, so go play hard. And that's true. Uh, for the Jazz, they've developed him. That's what they're known for, right? And what I've seen in the last two games, Adelaide, obviously, they were outmatched with the size of the Jazz and Tony Bradley. Another double-double. He's a double-double guy. He he had he averaged a double-double in the, in the summer league. And he's picking up where he left off. I see a guy that has passion, and I see a guy who's worked hard to shed pounds and become a better athlete. And last night, uh, he worked his tail off. And what did he do? He took advantage, as you said, of the minutes and hit 17 points, 10 rebounds. And he was pretty – I mean, he's efficient. He hit 7 to 10 shots last night. So, again, he doesn't have a, a large repertoire in his offensive game, but he's good on the boards. He's good with, uh, you know, putbacks and close to the rim. He can – he runs the floor better than maybe people will give him credit for as well. So, yeah, he's like a Royce O'Neal. He's a – I think he's one of those players that Jazz have to hold up a bit and say, look, we developed this guy, and he's earned minutes. How many? I don't know. I think he'll be a guy behind Ed Davis at the start of the season. 
but uh, things could change, obviously, with size and different uh, uh, different matches matchups this year in the NBA. But Bradley's a, a, a good story, one of development, and I take give the kid credit. A lot of hard work. He's hung in there. He's really hung in there. Craig Bolojack, big picture on the upcoming NBA season. <laughs> Bowler, thanks big for picture. thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, we'll do it again tomorrow night, right? And uh, I'm guessing Gobert probably should get a rep or two. That's my guess, so we'll see. And the return of favors uh, with a new team. Uh, anxious to see how they, the Jazz respond and turn this thing around. Bowler, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. All right, guys. See you soon. There's Craig Bolojack. When we come back, all the headlines. What is trending? Playoff baseball, NFL football, and looking ahead to a big weekend of college football. We'll do that next. Stay with us.